Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. If you're, if you're visiting with us and you're here, newer, we've been in a, uh, a series on the Holy Spirit for the last few weeks, and we've been talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what this looks like in our life, and the empowerment of that, and, uh, and today really is the, the culmination of that series. We're going to end this series today, and then next week, we're actually going to have a really special weekend because we're going to have three people from our leadership team that are actually going to be sharing in the service. Who's excited about that? It's going to be awesome. Yes. And uh, I'm super excited for what God's put in their heart. And then uh, after that, we'll jump into kind of the next thing that God is leading us into. But today, what we wanted to do is kind of just finish up this series and then really create some time at the end of service. Um, where we've kind of been teaching through and processing through is the, the, what the infilling and what the baptism and what the empowerment of the Holy Spirit looks like. And today at the end of service, we want to give time where if you're here and you would like to receive prayer, specific prayer for one of those two areas, that you're going to have time to be able to receive that. We have prayer teams that are going to be here at the end of service that are ready to pray with you. And if you're like, you know what, you're like here today, I've been sitting through this, I've been processing, and I really would like to take a step of faith to receive what the Holy Spirit has at the end of service, we're going to give you an opportunity for that. I will say this too, is that um, some Sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about the baptism, we talk about all this, it can feel a little bit like pressure, like ah, I have to like respond right now and, and all of this. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is prompting you and to get a little bit uncomfortable because that's what he does in our lives is he prompts us to get a little bit uncomfortable, right? So if the Holy Spirit is challenging you and inviting you into that place today to respond to it. But I also want you to know that this is a decision, this is a part of a relationship that's between you and God, you and the Holy Spirit. It's your decision when, how, where, in what way you respond to what the Holy Spirit is telling you. And so at the end of this service, we're going to give you an opportunity if you would like to respond to that and to receive specific prayer for that at the end of service. And we're going to spend some time just being able to do that. And so we wanted to create and allow for some time that we can be able to pray with some people. But I just want to say this as we jump in, is that I, I, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for being a congregation and a people that is ready and willing to go on the journey of hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying, hearing what he's doing on our lives, maybe stepping into some things that are unknown a little bit, asking some questions, having the pot stirred a little bit, and in all of that, having the attitude and the heart of a learner. I'm really, really proud of this church. I'm proud of you guys. That as we step into something like this that can be in a lot of circles a very controversial issue, that you've stepped in with this understanding of, okay, God, I may not understand it all. I might not have all the answers. It might not all be clear to me, but I'm going to respond to you. And I want to have a heart of a learner and receiving everything that you have. And so I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for going on this journey. Um, you have been amazing to go through. And, uh, and last week, we actually um, invited you to ask questions. One of the coolest things that you can do in times like this is ask questions. If you have questions, to be able to ask them. And I realized that even after today, you might have questions, 
come talk to us, text us, uh, meet with us. We would love to process through this with you. Um, but we did open it up to a couple of questions uh, or open it up to questions. We had a couple of ones that were submitted. And I wanted to take a couple of minutes before we jump into the meat of what we're going to be talking about today. Last week, we, we processed through the idea of the infilling being uh, uh, illustrated by a well that fills you and gives you what you need for life. And then the baptism being the empowerment to be his hands and feet to other people. And we're going to finish talking about that river, the river of the Holy Spirit that comes out of you to be able to touch people today. We're going to do that. But I want to answer these couple of questions here real quick. But before that, I'm going to pray one more time because this is really important to do. Anytime you go into these kind of conversations and anytime you're processing these things, it's really good to just pray and ask him to come. Wouldn't you say so? Would you say that's a good idea? Yeah. Because if there's one thing I can tell you right now is you do not want Jason's ideas. I'm just telling you that right now. Um, So we're going to pray and invite him here. Holy Spirit, we're so grateful for what you've been doing in our church. We're so grateful for what you're opening and what you're unlocking And Father, we come like we have every week before, just to be able to hear, to respond, to know what you're speaking to us. I pray that you would help us to have open ears and open heart to hear what you have to say today. Lord, we love you, and I thank you that you are guiding our church. I thank you that you are leading our church. I thank you that we can have trust and confidence in who you are and what you're doing. And so today, Father, we don't lean on our own understanding. We don't lean on the understanding of man, but we acknowledge you in all our ways and knowing that when we do that, you're going to make our path straight. And so we do that today, Father. We acknowledge you. We put you on your rightful place. Lord, you are on the throne of our hearts. You're on the throne of this church. You rule and reign. And Father, we come to you today surrendered and submitted to what you want to say to us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, some questions here. Wanted to give you a little bit, and then uh, Ellie's going to jump in with this part. One of the questions that was submitted was, was this. How do you know the Holy Spirit is trying to lead you in clarity and decision-making? How many of you have ever been in a place before where you're trying to get some clarity on a decision that you're trying to make in life, right? Anybody ever been there? If you haven't, you will be. So, yeehaw. Um, I have hair. I don't know why. I've got three girls in my family. But uh, anyway, that's, that's done. All right. Uh, there comes time for all of us in our lives when we are looking for direction and clarity from the Holy Spirit on which way we're to go. And, uh, and I want to say this, and I'm going to give you just a couple practical things. The Holy Spirit actually wants you to know what his will is. He actually wants you to know. See, a lot of times we can think about the discernment and we can think about the direction of the Holy Spirit and it can become this ambiguous thing that we're trying to figure out. No, the thing I want to seed over your heart and your mind today is the Holy Spirit actually wants you to know what he wants you to do. And so as he leads you, he's going to give you the opportunity to have clarity in your life when you're making decisions and when you're moving out in different areas. Um, I wanted to put ten diff- or nine different tests up of uh, things that the Holy Spirit uses in your life. And I put them all on one slide because if I don't, I'm just going to preach them. And there goes our time. So my thought is if I put it up here, I won't preach them. We'll see how that goes. 
Uh, but what I'd like you to do is if this is something that you're like, you want to have for later, take a picture of this, um, take it on your phone and process through these. But I do want to go through them. One of the ways that the Holy Spirit works is through this. And these questions we need to ask, we need to consider if the message that we received, what the Holy Spirit is telling us or its outcome will violate biblical principles at all. Like that's step number one. Is what you feel and hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you in alignment with Scripture? Because if it's not, it's not the Holy Spirit. That's first and foremost the test you need to make as you're processing through a decision and all of this is, uh, is to determine that. Number two is to reflect on the tone of the message that he's giving you. Reflect on what he's speaking to you and how he's speaking to you. You know, God does not speak in condemnation or shame or guilt. Those are tactics of the enemy. What the, what the Lord does is he comes and he comes to challenge, but he always calls you forward. And so the tone in which he speaks to your life will be one that will actually move you forward and not shame you and freeze you in place where you are. Okay. Another one. See if the word is repeated. Many times when God is speaking to you and when the Holy Spirit is speaking things to your life and leading you in a certain direction, it'll be repeated from time to time, whether it's through the word, somebody else speaking into your life, through a dream, whatever it is, he will speak these things repeatedly. Look to see in your life, do I have a repeated word of what the Holy Spirit is leading me to? The next one, ask the Holy Spirit for confirmation or a sign as you read the Bible. Ask him for a sign. Okay, this is what I'm looking for. Holy Spirit, I'm looking for direction in this. And then you open your Bible. And the really cool thing is that when you ask, the book of James says that when you ask for wisdom, he will give it to you. And he'll give it to you through the word of God. So as you open the word and you start to ingest it and you start to process it, then he will actually speak to you through the word of God. It's very cool. The Bible is a very, very important part of this whole thing. There may be, now this, we have to be very careful with this. There may be a tangible sensation of peace that the spirit speaks on a certain direction. We don't function by a feeling alone because a feeling can be misleading. But when a lot of these things fit together and God has spoken to you about a direction in your life, there will be an overwhelming sensation of peace about the decision that you're going to make. So God does use these things in your life. The Holy Spirit does speak to you through these things. So be aware of that, but don't make a decision based on that. Amen? Amen. Okay. Uh, Number six, receive wise advice or counsel. Believe it or not, the Holy Spirit actually uses wise advice and counsel in your life. It's, it's crazy, you know? Like, what are you saying, Lord? What are you saying? Well, well who did, what did so-and-so say? Well, you know, this, that sounds pretty good. You know, like, listen to sound, advice, and counsel. And with that, paired with it, number seven is to receive confirmation through others. Are you processing this through without? Do you find that they're the confirming what God is speaking to your life, what you feel God is speaking to your life? Do you have people that are confirming this to you and would agree and say, yes, I think you're actually hearing from the Holy Spirit. Like that sounds right. You know, we're supposed to be able to process the will and the plan of God in community. We're not supposed to be out there all on our own trying to figure it out. God designed it so that we would be in community and that is what would help us to be able to move forward in what he has. How many of you are thankful that you're in a community of people that can help you move forward in what God has? Number eight, 
see if the circumstances point to a certain direction. The circumstances point to a certain direction. Um, a tool that Ellie and I have used in some major decisions in our life is one called a, a cost and compensation list. Now, this sounds really practical, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the Holy Spirit piece here in just a second. A cost and compensation list. When you're making a decision in life, have two columns and start to write out. If I make this decision, what's it going to cost me? Every decision we make costs something, Right. What does it cost me? What is this going to change to my life? What am I going to have to do differently? But on the flip side, what's the compensation? What do I see as the benefit of making this decision and stepping into it? And you start to work that out onto these two columns. Now, here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And we've actually seen this when we've made decisions in our life. You don't automatically go with the side that has the most. Oh, there's more costs and compensations. We're not going to do it. Or vice versa. But what the Holy Spirit will do is as you build this, and we've done this, as you start praying through these things, even on the side that has the absolute least, if the Holy Spirit highlights it as one of the main reasons that would violate a value in your life or some other area of your life, it starts to be the deciding factor, but that wouldn't have happened unless you put these things together and started to weigh them out. And then key important point, prayed through them all right? It's a very practical tool, but as you do it, it might be that there was, there was just three compensation things, right? There's so much cost to this, but as you read through it, there's one thing that the Holy Spirit speaks and you go, yep, that gives me peace. I'm going to move forward because that has to do with God, what God's confirming in my life, okay? The final one, if you receive direction, <laughs> this, is, this is a really good one. If you receive direction to what you're asked for while praying or shortly after, here's a novel thought that when you ask God for confirmation and direction, he actually gives it. God, I just need direction. Okay, do this. Oh, it can't be you. Why not? He actually speaks quite quickly sometimes, Right? So if you're in this mindset of saying, God, I'm surrendered to you. I'm really desiring your outcome in this. Would you please speak? And then he does. Take that and process it through all of these other categories. Make sense? Okay, next question. Because I said I wasn't going to preach through those. Here we go. Next one. <laughs> How do you reconcile the belief that some have that if you don't have tongues, you're not as good of a Christian with not having everything that God has for you. The two sides of it. Not good enough of a Christian if you don't have tongues, but yet God still has something more for you on the other side. I would start by answering this question very simply with this. There's no such thing as a good Christian. The very fact of Christianity is that none of us are good. We are all sinners saved by grace. In fact, we're all the same sinners saved by the same grace. There is no hierarchy in the body of Christ. There's no hierarchy with what level of Christian or who you are. So, so there is no good Christian. In fact, the, the people that were considered the good in Jesus' days were actually the people that he had the most problem with. He talked to the people who thought they had it all figured out more than any time else and said, you knuckleheads, knock it off. You're putting all this weight. You got it wrong. You're a brood of vipers. Right. He actually went against the grain to say, you don't just need to be good. You need to recognize who you are and recognize the salvation that's come into your life. 
Here's another thing for you with this. God loves his kids. And he, with everything that he has and wants good things for them. I want you to think about this for a second. Like any parent, we don't love some of our children more than other children. We also don't love our children more or less depending on where they're at in life. Now, there might be some frustration that is at different times, but we don't love them any less. If I look at my son, my son, Dustin, can never do anything to make me love him more or less. Never. However, you better believe that I have more good for him to come in his life. Do you see what I'm saying? God loves us and wants to be able to pour this out because he's a father, but he always has more for us. Ephesians 3 says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that you can ask or think according to the power that works within us abundantly and beyond. God always has more. He always wants to blow our expectations and blow our minds with what he wants to be able to pour into our lives. Why? Because he's a good father who loves his kids. And we can believe that. The final question, and then I'll be done talking for a little bit and you can listen to Ellie. Final question is this. If when Ephesians 6.18 says, pray in the spirit, means use a heavenly prayer language, it makes me think that the gift should be available to all believers as they suit up in the armor of God. But Paul is clear that not everyone gets the same gifts. Is a prayer language available, uh, is it an, an available gift for all of us? Okay, great question. How many had that question but didn't just have the guts to ask it? I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's a good, good question. I want to, I want to, and this is the verse, Ephesians 6, this is where this comes out of, pray in the spirit at all times on an every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all the believers everywhere. A um, couple thoughts on, on tongues. A, a personal prayer language is available to every believer. Every believer has access to receive a personal prayer language. But in the Bible, we need to make a distinction when we talk about tongues. And hopefully this will help some of you be able to process through this. Because Paul actually talks in two different sections about the use of tongues and how they work. And it actually helps us to identify and understand what this looks like and the different distinction between the two of these, okay? 1 Corinthians 14 says this, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues... Key, key thought. You will be talking only to God. Okay? Since people won't be able to understand you. Right? You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be mysterious because really what you're doing is your spirit is connecting to God. This is the prayer language. Paul goes on to say, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I, and I wish that all of you would speak in tongues like I do. He's talking about his spiritual language that is accessible by every believer. Now, the distinction with this is that there is also a gift of tongues that is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. And this is the passage in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, it talks about these gifts, these gifts, they're called manifestation gifts. And it says this in verse seven, but to each one, he is given a manifestation of the, of the spirit. But this is the key for the common good. Yes, that's right. Now, 
if when I speak in tongues, according to 1 Corinthians 14, it's just for God, then how can the gift of tongues be something that is actually for the common good? Two different uses. When we look at 1 Corinthians 12, the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues is very much like we see on the day of Pentecost, where God gave them the gift to be able to speak in a tongue to declare the gospel to bring forward the love of Christ in that moment. This is something that is not necessarily a permanent gift in somebody's life, but it is a gift that is given in a moment. Why? Because God wants somebody else to be able to understand and hear something that he has to say. I want to give you just a quick story around this that really helps me wrap my head around this, okay? You guys okay? You guys okay? Okay. Everyone just take a deep breath. Every time you talk about tongues, everyone's like, oh, and then we're just all going to stand up and do it. Ready? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, my goodness. Just have to lighten the mood. Come on, everybody. Uh, a pastor that we grew up with was uh, ministering in China one time. The pastor that I had when I grew up and we had when we were back in Portland. And he was in China and he was ministering through an interpreter. And at the end of service, he invited people forward for an altar call. And so they came and they spread all the way across the altars and... And there were the, the, the pastors that were there locally that were praying over people. And he was just standing up on stage because he didn't speak Chinese. And it was hard to pray always through an interpreter. And so he stood up on the stage and he was just speaking in his spiritual language. He wasn't in a mic. He wasn't doing it like shouting it over people. He was just speaking in his spiritual language, his personal prayer language. And as he did that, there was a young lady at the stage who started to break down and completely lose it crying uncontrollably. After the service, this lady came to him and through an interpreter, she looked at him and she said, how did you know? He's like, what, what are you talking about? She said, she goes on to say that as he was praying, he was literally reading her mail and delivering a word of encouragement and life and hope to a girl who was on her last leg. And she heard it in perfect Mandarin. Now, my pastor did not speak Mandarin. I also don't think he ever spoke Mandarin again. But in that moment, there was a gift that was given for a manifestation because God wanted that girl to get a message from him. And so he gave my pastor the opportunity to speak. And here's the cool thing is that it was the merging of the two. All he was doing was speaking in his spiritual prayer language. That's all he was doing. But as he was doing it, God used that, gave him that gift in that moment to speak out in a tongue that wasn't his and gave her the Holy Spirit empowerment to interpret what was being said and encouraged her and lifted up her life. This is how the gift of tongues functions. It's very different than a spiritual language. Your spiritual language is something that is, is personal to you and there's a gift of tongues that God uses to be able to bless other people. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So when you're processing through spiritual language and all this, hopefully this brings a little bit of clarity to you. And just a few notes on tongues and then, and then we'll get in. Tongues, it's not a trance. It's not like when you're preaching or speaking in your spiritual language that it's just you get into this trance and lose and leave your mind and have an out-of-body experience. That's not it at all. No, your spirit is connected to your man. It's connected to your physical man. It's connected to your mind and your heart. Those things are there. It's not also out of control. 
Okay, these are a couple things that I think have given tongues a very bad rap. That it's a trance, it's out of control, it's just this crazy thing. We also, this is an important thing for us to realize, when you're speaking in your spiritual prayer language, just as you are speaking or singing or anything else in life, you control the volume. You also control how fast you're speaking. Okay? Like, let's just be smart about this here for a second. He gives you the ability to speak in a language that isn't yours, but it's still in your body, and you have responsible with how to use the gift that he's given you. We can't give up all responsibility and say, well, it's just the Holy Spirit. No, you have responsibility. You are a human being that God created and put the Holy Spirit in you. Now, use your brain. Just saying. The gift is subject to the person receiving it. God gives you a gift, but you, as a spirit-filled believer and Christian, are responsible to use that gift in a responsible, and according to every other scripture we've read, in an orderly way that glorifies God. Make sense? Some thoughts on tongues. Wow. That was a great handoff. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, We are not normally speaking, both of us, at the same time, uh, but we, in this series, felt... We can't because the services will go too long. Um, But we really felt like it would be good if both of us went through this together. Uh, And we we did this kind of as a family because this is kind of like, I feel like what the Lord is doing right now is he's kind of having a family meeting. He's inviting us all into a family meeting and saying, hey, children, come, let's unify, let's come together, let's be one, and let's move forward in his power, his calling, and his ways. And so uh, we just really felt like we should do this together. Uh, we both bring different perspectives uh, because we're, I'm, a, I'm a woman and he's a man, and sometimes those two things approach things approach things a little differently and it's so healthy in the body to have the voice of a woman and the voice of a man speaking into this because we actually receive it a little differently sometimes too I think uh, women are a little more uh, it's a little more intimate sometimes sometimes for men it's very intimate so it just depends but we can speak to different parts of that and how we all receive it so we wanted to do this together um We thought that it would be good, since my message got cut off last week, um, that I could finish. (laughs) Um, That we could finish together. So... Um, we were talking about rivers. So last week, if you were here, if you weren't, I would encourage you, please go home and watch it. It's not because of what we said is so clever. It's actually because I think it's very foundational for where the Lord is taking us. So um, I would just encourage you to go on and watch it. Um, and that way you kind of get the other half of what this message is. But last week we were talking about how when you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, your, uh, the, the person that saves you from your sin, he actually comes and he breathes his very breath of life into you and your well, we used a well as a picture, your well gets filled up with the Holy Spirit. And um, then we talked about, uh, very briefly, that <laughs> later on, uh, we see the, uh, the disciples that were following Jesus. They came, and on the day of Pentecost, they actually got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And if you remember, we talked about how Jesus told them to wait there until they were clothed with power from on high. And they, they got clothed. And we actually, we introduced this idea of a river, um, but then we didn't get to expand on it a lot. And so I just 
just want to quickly talk through the river piece and it leads where we're going today. Um, but we talked about kind of characteristics of wells last week and I want to go through some characteristics of rivers. Rivers flow swiftly. Rivers can overflow. They have overflow and they can water the land around them. And especially uh, back in the Middle East, the, the Egyptians would actually, they flood their land. That's how they water it. The, the river floods and actually waters all the land. So wells, we talked about how wells you can like share a cup of water with someone, but you typically, it's just for your family, where a river is actually, it spreads out quickly. It goes swiftly and it can flood the plains. It can overflow. It supplies water to everything around it, including trees and the grasses and all the different things. It's, it moves with power and force. When you go and get in the Boise River, um, you know, if you're, you can stand until you wade out into the parts where it might be a little too deep. And then what happens, the river kind of, you get sucked in and you go down the river. So it moves with power and force. Rivers are visible to those around them. The wells are underground. You don't see those, but the rivers are, are visible. They are out. Um, you can see them. And then, uh, so, so when we talk about this river, the, the thing that we're talking about is the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he moves through you in a different way than just filling your well. Right. It's actually a power meant to be uh, extended out of you and it's to supply for others. It's not for you. It's not for your glory. It's not for your gain. It's actually for others right. to know Christ, to be drawn to him, to be like brought in close to him. And so it's, it, you know, it's interesting because the gifts, they're not actually gifts just for us. Right. It's not like we get a gift and then it's like, oh, yay, I'm a prophet. Well, no, no, that's missing the whole point. Right. The, the point is he wants to move through his people to declare the gospel, the good news that he has for all people, for all creation. And he wants to move through people. Right. And this whole idea of baptism is actually to empower his people to move in boldness amen. and confidence. Yeah, amen. Amen. When we see a sign and a wonder, it builds your confidence. Right. All of a sudden you're like, I got healed. I got healed by the Lord. Yeah. I'm going out. Yeah. Like, I got a message. Yeah. I have a God yeah. who not only just saved me from my sins, but he did something in me and it's waking me up and I'm alive and I have a message that I want to preach. And so the baptism is really about getting in the river. Yeah. It's about letting the river flow through you. It's about letting the river, um, it says in that verse that we used last week that I didn't put in my notes today, but it says it's a river that flows out of our heart. And it's not us. It's, we're not the river. Okay. I want to be really clear. We are not the river. The Holy Spirit is the river and he's the one flowing out from us. He's the one doing the work. He's the one going forth. And so we want to, we want to, um, link in with him. We want to be, uh, in him, in the river, letting the river flow through us and be a part of what we're doing. The father wants to empower Christ's bride with tools and the clothing that she needs to be an overcomer and to accomplish the mission of bringing others into the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to say that one more time. The father, he, remember last week we talked about this. This is a gift from the father. The father wants to empower Christ's bride with the tools 
and the clothing that she needs to be an overcomer and to bring and accomplish the mission of bringing others into the kingdom of God. Isn't that incredible? He wants to empower his people. He wants to give us the tools. And so I wanted to give another example of this happening because it actually happened several times in the book of Acts. So if you're curious about this, I would just encourage you, read the book of Acts and you could read it many times um, because you'll see this same kind of pattern happen. But I wanted to bring up another story because I think sometimes when we're going through this, we just need more confirmation from the Lord that this really is him, that this isn't just something that Jason and Ellie are making up, but there's actually proof in the Bible that this is what he wants to do. So Acts 19, one through six, it says, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there's a few key points that come out of this, okay? The first one is, these were disciples, okay? So they, they actually were disciples. They weren't just far off random people. They were disciples. They didn't have the full gospel, okay? So the first thing that Paul does is that he baptizes them. And this is not talking about baptism of the spirit, like what we're talking about. He water baptizes them again because they didn't know that it was about Jesus, They only knew part of it. And so he baptizes them into Jesus. The Holy Spirit, like, you know, we're we're baptizing in the name of Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He water baptizes them. Then Paul laid his hands on them. So this is, so we know that they already had asked Christ to be their savior because they got baptized, right? So that happened first. Then Paul laid his hands on them and began praying for them. And what happens? They get baptized. We see that with evidence of speaking in tongues and prophesying. They began to do the same things that happened on the day of Pentecost. So we can see this is a pattern. And I I just want to say really quickly, um, the author of Hebrews says the laying on of hands is actually a foundational doctrine. Laying on of hands is not some weird thing that Christians do. Uh, It's actually a foundational doctrine. We lay our hands on the sick and we watch them get healed. We lay our hands on people and the Lord moves through us. It's not our power. It's his power. He's doing it, but we do it by faith. We say he's in me and now he's in you. He's in me and now he's in you. And we, he moves through us. Okay. It's not our power. We don't believe that somehow our hands have some sort of magical touch. That's not what we're teaching. Um, our hands are actually quite just insignificant, but he chooses to use us. We are vessels for him. That's good. 
vessels for his river to flow, vessels for his river to move. He uses people. He can use anything he wants, but he chooses, not all the time. I actually know people that found out about Jesus from an angel, but um, they, they lived in China um, and they came to our Bible college and it was really cool. She like had a total encounter with an angel. Angel told her about Jesus. She got saved. It was really beautiful. Um, but he chooses normally to use people. <laughs> I'll say it that way. Um, because he loves to use people. He loves to partner with us. So what is baptism? It's a one-time moment that the Holy Spirit immerses you completely inside and out. He equips you by the Holy Spirit, um, and he clothes you with his gifts and his power. The baptism provides equipment for your spiritual battle. It prepares you for the work that he has for you. You better believe that when the apostles and the disciples got baptized in the spirit, there was an equipping for them to go out. And maybe their experience was pretty intense because what they were going to encounter was pretty intense. You know, there, there is a, there's an equipping that comes and he does it however he wants with each person. Um, and that goes into our next part. Everyone's experience is different. Right. It's right. not like there's like one way that this happens. Right. Um, the, the Holy Spirit moves according to his power in how he wants to relate with you and where you're at. I think he's so tender and so gentle. Yeah. You know, we don't see a God that just like forces himself on you right. and is like a tiger ready to, ready to pounce. He's gentle and his invitation is kind. Yeah. He's wooing you in. He is saying, come to me, yeah. come to me. And I really believe that when we are seeking him, he wants to move gently. It's not, it's not like, I mean, it's a force, but as we'll, we'll talk about here, but, but he's gentle yeah. and he's, he moves according to where you're at but he also wants you to move out of comfort. Just like we've been talking about, he wants you to move out of comfort and towards him because he's the comforter. You don't need a comforter if you're already comforted. I'm just saying, you don't need a comforter if you're already comforted. If you're comfortable, you don't need him. End of the story. So we're going to share our baptism experiences really quickly, not because we want you to emulate what we share here, but because we believe there's power in testimony. There's such power in testimony. I could have many people come up here and share you with you their testimony, but we're just going to, for the sake of time, do this very, very, very quickly. Um, I... If you don't know my story, I grew up in church. I was going to church every Sunday with my family. We were pretty committed to church. Um, and uh, I had actually never heard of the Holy Spirit. And, and in junior high, I was very passionate about God, but I was very, uh, I had a lot of wrestlings and I could not reconcile things. And when I was 15 years old, I actually fully decided that God was not what I wanted. And I went the opposite direction. I totally gave up my faith. I, um, I wanted nothing to do with God. I ran from God. I actually, uh, I, I was, please note, I was not a driver, but I was in over 20 car accidents in that time. I was, it, it was a terrible five years. And when I was 20 years old, the Lord brought me to a church service where he um, so graciously said to me, your family may fail you, your friends may fail you, your church may fail you, but I will not. 
And I got radically saved in that church service. So I turned my heart. I mean, literally, if you had known me, I did a 180. Um, I, I can't tell you how sinful I was, except that I was doing all the things. Um, and the Lord completely turned me. And three months later, I found myself at Bible college. That's radical, people. I was the vice president of a sorority at the time, okay? So please just note the like radical shift here. Um, and the first Sunday that I was at Bible college, uh, it's a Bible college that's connected to the church that we were previously at. Pastor Frank, our pastor at the time, he preached on speaking in tongues. And I had been told about this before I went actually by someone in our church that's here in this church right now. But she told me about it kind of briefly. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Um, and I was very hungry for the Lord. So you have to understand my posture was literally like, whatever you want for me, I'll do it. I'll go to the ends of the earth. My plan was to go to India, okay? Um, I haven't been there yet, but I will one day um, to preach the gospel. And I just believe he's doing that. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit showed up that night because it was a super Sunday night. And I remember I was, I was actually in the second row and I had gone up and somebody prayed for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I, nothing happened at that moment, literally nothing. I was like, okay. And I went back to my seat and I just started worshiping. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came on me in such a powerful way. I got on my knees and I was so surrendered and I just began to speak in tongues. I have an all I know is I can tell you the refining that happened in my heart. Um, there was there was about, it was a long service, like think two to three hours of worship after that, okay? So like a long time and praise God because he had so much that he wanted to do in me. And when it says tongues edifies the person, I literally mean I was I can, I can, I can feel it still. Like I can recall, um, the edification that came and was happening in me. I had lived such a horrible life, but the shame was falling off as I spoke in tongues, the, the condemnation and the, you can't do this and you don't have it. All of that was melting off of me in that moment. And here's the thing that I recognize. You know what? There was still more. God still had more for me. That night was the beginning, but it wasn't the end. Right. And he continues to empower me in greater and greater measures. He empowers me to do this. And this was not something I felt empowered to do five years ago. Okay? So you got it. He's, he's continually pouring out. He's continually giving. He's ushering in more and more. And he has more for you. And that's, that's just my testimony. And I hope it encourages you. Um, I hope that you find a little bit of hope in that. That there is something more for you. And that the Holy Spirit, as he comes, he falls on you gently. I, I literally, that was such a gentle experience. It wasn't like filled with shame. It was actually melting it off. It was melting it off because his presence is the fullness of joy. Amen. Yes. Amen. That's good. Uh, I think the thing that was the marker for, for Ellie was just that continual desire, desire for everything that the Lord had. Uh, she is right when she says the Holy Spirit's never going to force himself on you, but he's going to meet a heart that is desiring him, that is continually after him and pursuing him. And that's where he meets you. My story was, was very different. I grew up in a Christian home, was saved at the age of three. I've told that story before. And so my life has been marked by just the gradual growth of my relationship with God. Uh, didn't have a moment like Ellie where went away and then came back, but it was just kind of the, the overall continual small steps of developing my relationship with God. Um, and that's actually been interesting too, because 
You know, the enemy likes to lie to you about your story and tell you that it's not good and not significant and God can't use it, but God absolutely can. And each one of our stories, God uses it, you know, because it's his life at work inside of us, which is amazing. Um, but for me, I was at a junior high camp um, one summer and they were, they were praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I went up at the end of service to receive this and was like, okay, this is like the next stage. This is the next part of following Jesus. And, and, and I went up and received prayer right there in that moment. And nothing happened. Prayed, and it was great, and the end. And then we went and went back and went out and played games and chased each other around the woods. You know, it was like nothing happened. But it was a couple weeks later when I got home, I was on part-time staff with children's ministry, and I was in the chapel where we set up for kids on Sunday. And I was in there, just, my, just me, just by myself with God, setting stuff up, and was just like, God, okay, I believe that I received this. I believed that I received this baptism, and I know that you have more for me, so I'm just going to, I'm continuing to surrender to your plan in this whole thing. I don't know how this is going to work. It looks different than everybody else, but I'm surrendered to you. And in that moment, God filled my, my mouth with my prayer language, and I began to pray that. It was just me, and it was him in a little chapel, and that was it. And that's where my prayer language started to develop in that moment. And it grew over time and over time. We tell you these stories because everybody's experience with the Holy Spirit is totally different. And we're not to compare with one another. We're not to think higher of ourselves or lower of ourselves than we ought. The reality is, is that the Holy Spirit actually knows you better than anybody else. And he knows how to connect with your heart. He knows exactly how to come in and meet you where you're at. When you receive this prayer for this empowerment and this, this, this strength that comes from the Holy Spirit, there's a, there's a desire for everything that God has and a surrender to saying, God, you're going to do it in the way you see fit. And I'm just going to keep pursuing you with my life. And I'm going to wait to see what you do and how you reveal yourself in my life. It makes it a really fun journey. It really does, if you think about it, that you get to go on this journey with the Holy Spirit. And he reveals more and more of who he is as you go through this. And so even today, as we kind of get ready to transition into the end of this service, we're going to give the opportunity today for you to receive prayer for the filling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And just like Ellie and I shared in our stories, for some that you might receive prayer of, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit today, and there's a marked difference where there's something noticeable. Some of you, if you're, you're wanting to receive your prayer language today in the baptism, you might end up with your prayer language right here at these altars today. And that's fantastic. Some of you might not. Some of you might walk away and be filled and pray for the baptism. And here's the thing, is that we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith, Meaning when someone prays, we walk away going, okay, by faith, I have this baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life. The outworking of it might look totally different for every single person, but we walk away with faith. Guys, our whole life is built on faith, if you haven't figured it out yet. Every single part of the Christian, Christian life is faith. And so we receive the Holy Spirit the same way, with faith that we can then live this out. So here's, here's what this is going to look like. Here's what this is going to look like. I want to go ahead and invite prayer teams up here to the front.
And, uh, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to, here in just a second, I'm going to pray to officially actually just end the service for the day. But as I end the service, I want to give an invitation to you this morning. If you're here and you're like, you know what? I'm in a place where I've been really dry for a long time. Like that, that thing we talked about at the well, that the well has to be at a certain level in order to actually draw water out of it. You're like, I'm, I'm not even there. Like it's like, it's sand at the bottom. And you need the Holy Spirit to just fill you with his life today. We wanna pray for you with that. And when we invite you forward, all you're gonna do is find one of these, these groups that are up here and just say, just say that. I just, I really need the Holy Spirit just to fill my life. I really need the Holy Spirit to fill my life today. And that is what they're gonna pray for you. Now, you might be in a place today where you're saying, you know what, by faith, I do wanna receive that baptism of the Holy Spirit. I do wanna receive that empowerment to not for myself, but to be able to live out in power who God made me to be so that I can take this to people around me. And maybe you wanna receive that by faith today. I wanna invite you to just let them know that same thing. That is, you come up, I, I want to today by faith receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they're gonna pray that over you. It's just gonna be a simple prayer. It's, it's, it's the prayer that says, right now we pray that whoever this person is will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith in this moment. And that's it. It's a step of faith, it's very simple. And then I, I want to invite you to do this too. If you do come down here, whether it's to be just a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit or baptism of the Holy Spirit, is just after these prayer teams finish praying with you, just to linger for a second up here before you just run off. To stay here for a moment and just let the Holy Spirit seal what he wants to do in your life today. Maybe that's just to remind you of the love that he has for you. Don't rush off until you've allowed a moment for him to be able to come and speak to your heart. For some this morning, and, and this is very true, if you're here and, and, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that you're, you're wanting and desiring, and you want your, your spiritual prayer language, take a second here before you leave just to stay and listen to see if God would put syllables, words in your mouth to be able to start to unlock your tongue. And then as you have those, if God gives those to you right in this moment, take a minute just to pray those out. It might be one or two syllables that he gives you and you just do those over and over again. It doesn't matter. It's God unlocking your tongue in this way. It's not forced. It's not something that's weird and you try to make something up, but it's if he's put things in your mind, begin to pray those out. This is not something you have to shout. This is not something you have to say loudly. This is something that you simply get to say, okay, God, I'm here by faith to receive this. And if you're going to give me, give this to me in this moment, I want to step out in this and then respond to what he's doing in your life. The key to everything up here today is to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Maybe what the Holy Spirit is doing today is challenging you to draw closer to him on a regular basis to receive an ongoing filling of his spirit so that you don't have to get empty. He wants you full. He doesn't want you empty. He wants you full of his spirit, full of his life, full of his vitality. And we believe that he does have good for you and he has more for you. Does this make sense, what we're saying?
Again, this is not, we're not forcing, coercing, anything like that. It's just to give an invitation for you if you're in a place that you would like to receive prayer in one of those areas, okay? And to step out in faith, if he's prompting you, maybe you're even sitting here right now and you're starting to get butterflies and you're like, ah, I'm not gonna do this, I'm not gonna do this, I'm not gonna do this. And you know that in your heart, you probably should do it, you know, like that actually happens from time to time. Just go with it. Okay, I, I, I want to tell you this. I want to, this is my last thing and then I'm going to pray. You can trust the Holy Spirit. You can trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cares for you, cares for your heart, cares for your life. You can trust his work in your life. Amen.